This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, cheese, So many dudes. Every little dude All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't Help Help But But Wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex and the city and how it relates to us. us. Hello, Jamie Lee. Hello, Rose Cerno and Um, Skylar Hanrath. Hello. Jamie, who the heck were you this week, by the way? Oh, God. Um... Well, I'm still feeling quite festive. Mm. Um, I went to a, a Thanksgiving backyard romp at Whitney Cummings' house, and it was really beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I guess still still a Charlotte, still a little bit of a Charlotte, just loving the holidays. Um, yeah, yeah, what is a really Thanksgiving nice. romp like? Will you paint a picture of a beautiful romp? Yeah, I mean, it was just honestly like Whitney and her assistant, Benton, who's also a very funny stand-up comedian, they like did the tables. Mm. They had like two tables put together and they covered them. And like, they had just, their, I, I thought they had someone do it professionally. I thought that they had someone decorate it professionally, but they did everything. They put out like, they like drizzled um, lavender pieces oh all over the table. So it just like smelled of lavender. And then they also did, um, there was just a bunch of candles and, they did uh they had these like tiny little almost like vintage looking like magic mushroom sta- like little statues oh, beautiful. and they put those out yeah and and it was i was talking to benton about it and he was like yeah basically like every nice table you've ever seen just has a bunch of shit on it wow and it's kind of true yeah because i was like oh my table god insider yeah seriously i was like i guess if you do break it down like each place setting it really is just like they have a pumpkin, they have a little pumpkin, they have a big pumpkin, they have some lavender. Like it's kind it's of like just like a, a pile mishmash. Of old hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like it is kind of incredible because I, I, I mean, I've talked about this on the show before. I like really, I feel like I love clothes. I love like makeup and like aesthetic. But when it comes to um, anything like interior decorating, I get really overwhelmed because like the choices are just so permanent. And like I kind of feel like hosting somehow ties to that because it's like dressing a table you know I I just get very overwhelmed but it made me like very inspired to want to be a better host 
I think a beautiful tablescape and like beautiful silverware and everything done just so is extremely impressive. Yeah, they had plastic silverware, but it was clear with gold sparkles in it. And I was like, what a cool touch. Like everything was just so thoughtful. It was funny. I was wearing my just like whatever blue medical mask. And (laughs) Whitney was like, your mask is depressing me. Put this on. And she had she was handing out like Thanksgiving fabric masks That's with like so turkeys cute. on them and leaves and yeah and I was like oh my god it's just it was just so thoughtful like all the details were just really amazing was it a Chris was it a uh, Thanksgiving dinner at lunch kind of it was like a late lunch yeah but yeah. like turkey gravy the whole deal yeah yeah lots of like cool like gluten-free options oh. vegan non-vegan it was all there yeah how delish it was really fun yeah it was really fun I was you know outdoors and all the things and people were wearing masks and So it felt very safe, but also she's very big into like everyone has to have had a recent COVID test to even come over. Like she's really good about checking on that stuff. So you always feel very safe, even if you are inside with someone. It's not that feeling of like panic. Sounds like a fabulous little it sounds very sex in the city. It was very sex in the city. It really was. And also six degrees of sex in the city. Whitney worked on two broke girls which was a michael patrick king show and yeah so it's all connected not worked on she helped create it so yeah yeah (laughs) she worked on the show that she She worked on it she was a pa um yeah no she is like the reason that show happened that's so exciting james what a fun little festive it was fun it was really festive yeah 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 so that was good who were you this week i was a 100 percent carry because uh tis the season for like online shopping to like really get out of control for me. Oh God, tell me about it. There's something um, about it's also because the weather. It's like we're starting to hunker down more. Yeah, I have I'm guess. like such a sucker for every single Instagram ad, like every single thing. So what are I the got, ones that speak to you? What are what are what are the ones that you kind of like? What are, what's targeted like at you? Loungewear. Yep. Yep. Hip yep looking same. like well tailored. Also, this shirt I'm gonna give to my mom because it's a little too big for me, but I really like the stripe. I've been buying a bunch of T-shirts and like trying to buy like stylish T-shirts and long sleeve shirts because it's like what I'm wearing all the time. But this is maybe boring and obvious, but I'm not used to online shopping. Before COVID, I got all of my clothes by going into places and trying them on. And something that I have learned through online shopping is that every single brand is wildly different sizes. I've been a medium for like five years. And now all of a sudden in certain brands, it's like giant on me. I'm like, first of all, thank you for making me a small. (laughs) But second of all, it's just brand to brand. So you end up buying these clothes. You have to take them back. It's a whole fucking thing. That's yeah. I always buy two sizes. Yeah, I guess you have to. And I think you have to. It's worth it. It's better than being like, this doesn't fit. Send it back. Wait for the new size. Like that stuff is torture. You just have to buy and know that you're going to return one of them. But I do have to say, like, I don't have any like real addictions. So getting a package and opening it and trying on something great is like really fun. Yeah, that's a good, you know, if we're going to if we're going to get addicted to something, there are worse things. Also, getting addicted your habit. to a well-tailored shirt that looks great. Yeah. So shoot I me get, up with it. Uh, yeah, I really snort it, snort it right up. Snort it um, onto my body. Yeah. Um, but I will say I get a lot of um, and I wonder, I'm just curious if you have this targeted at you as well. I get a lot of like um, like sweatshirts with like funky phrases. Hmm, no, I try, don't yeah, actually. Lo- and I'm like, I haven't bought that so i'm curious why instagram thinks that's like i love sweatshirts don't get me wrong it's probably my favorite item and somehow 
the algorithm does know that about me, but I think they lose me at the funky phrases. No, I don't like anything with a phrase on it. Uh, yeah, it has to be like, I don't know. It, it would take a lot for me to be like, I don't know. I don't need. Yeah, it would have to be clothes. like the world's best Twitter joke of all time. Or it something. would have to be like something that really means something to me. But I don't. Or it's wanna, just like I don't really want to wear a sweatshirt up. with fucking like hope written across it and like a no. glittery cursive. No, thank you. Or like Mama's Little Angel Girl or something. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know about <laughs> Mama's <laughs> Little Angel Girl, but <laughs> actually, I, I feel like I would wear that. <laughs> oh my god! I actually think you would wear that. You would wear Mama's Little Angel Girl. Well, considering that, like, I'm like fusing with my mom into like one person, like 100%. in an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Oh no, my god. That was like Mama's a full Little Freudian, Angel like, Girl. Mama's Little Angel Girl. Ah. Yeah, no, it was fully Freudian and I loved it. I'm here for it. I, You're going to get yeah. that exact ad after this. I know. God, Mama's Little Angel Girl sweatshirts. Yeah. I mean, maybe we god. need to get Instagram jackets, all three of us. That yeah, have to yeah. Say that. Just, uh, just bedazzled on the back. I want to see yeah. Skylar walking around with that. Absolutely. <laughs> just in Los Feliz, Mama's Little Angel. Oh, I think you'd get attention god. from people that you're it, not necessarily open to. I think I'd get. <laughs> no matter what it would be interesting attention yes it would be hilarious yeah i i don't know i feel like sometimes instagram really sees me and then other times i'm like oh, god like you just don't I feel you don't like know me at me all so well it's <laughs> like, like are we breaking up yeah i haven't been i haven't been targeted for that many terrible things i've been targeted for a lot of like really high-end designers that i could never afford and i'm like i'm impressed that you think that this is me but no i'm not buying like a 375 dollar like cozy pants i as like a weird like idle activity on instagram have started whenever i get a new ad i'll say this ad is not relevant to me so i confuse the algorithm to the point where i get like the strangest ads so now i will just for just people just truly cleaner no like truly just like human beings who spent like ten dollars on like promoting themselves and they're just like normal like not big accounts it's really odd and i kind of like like you can make instagram weird for you if you futz around with it yeah yeah you can confuse it yeah okay well guys um on that note i think we should get into our episode we are on season six episode five it's called lights camera relationship rose take us into it again asterisk at the top of the show another banger of an episode oh yeah i mean this one's really we're fun. really in it now we're really really we're juicing yes. up and also carrie's ponytail looked great the episode kicks off with carrie introducing burger to some of the most important people in her life the employees at prada when they get to the store carrie's treated like old family while burger is mostly just along for the ride Samantha and Jerry, meanwhile, wrap up another round of sex. He's got to run, but she wants to lock down their plans for Friday. Unfortunately for Samantha, he's acting in a new play in Brooklyn that night, and he wants her to come. Samantha is skeptical at first, but he promises he'll make it worthwhile afterwards with more sex. I also have to say, I think even though his hair is kind of stupid in like a triangle, I think it actually looks great on him. Well, he has very luscious hair. It's very thick. It's sexy. So, yeah, I uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty. I think he looks great. He's so <laughs> he's hot. like he's so like classically hot. Yeah, he's like and a sculpture. That- it's fun. Yeah, right. It's kind of fun to just be like 
like all the things that you're like technically in quotes supposed to be attracted to as a straight woman, you're like, okay, he just embodies all of them and I'm going to fully submit. I'm not even going to try to fight it. I also found it very funny this episode and hadn't really noticed it before, but there's a shot where they are looking eye in eye with each other and their hair length and just like facial structure. They look, it's a weird, they look just similar. like, yeah, no, it's a do. weird, like gender flipped mirror moment. It's really, really odd and kind yeah, of funny. Their hair is the exact same color. Mm-hmm. No, they look it's really the similar. Same shade of, of blonde and also the same amount of highlights. Yes. He's also a good example of like being like exactly what you said, Jamie, like you could make him in a lab. He is just extremely gorgeous. There's no questions asked. But yet there's people that I'm much more attracted to who are much less attractive. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yes. No, that's what I'm saying is that yes. like he is he is everyone's type. Yes. But he's also not necessarily my type, but he should be my well, type. He's not necessarily sexy, but he's great looking. Yeah. And he's also like such a good boyfriend. No, he's so- <laughs> it just makes me love him. I yeah. hope he's a nice guy in real life. That would be so awesome. Yeah, I know. I yeah, I, I bet he is. I bet he's really nice. He seems nice. Yeah, he seems he seems nice. <laughs> he seems nice. We just cho- cho- chose the best looking guy in the world. We're like, he seems nice. He seems nice. <laughs> that kind of look, like, going through life like that just makes you like really nice. Yeah, yes. when everything's handed to you on a platter and you don't have to do anything but just exist, you see, it makes you nice. It, it builds character. Famously, yeah. famously a type with no problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, back at Prada, Burger's a little drunk on on champagne. I've never been to a store where they just give you champagne, but that sounds so fun. Have you been in that store, side note? No. Yeah, that Prada store is fucking incredible. It was designed by some like, don't quote me on it, but like some famous like Austrian architect. And it has a giant, almost like skateboard ramp in Mm. the center. It's not used for skateboarding, but it's like a giant half pipe in the middle of the store for no reason, not like made of wood or whatever, like really like sleek blends in with the walls and the floors. And it's just like really crazy looking. Anyways, it was it cool looks that amazing. they filmed there. Yeah. I just love the idea of like walking in somewhere and people are like, your champagne and you're walking through this like fabulous, basically like art space almost. Yeah, it is an art space. That's exactly right. It's like an art installation. It's amazing. Yeah. Tony, one of the sales guys who before recording, Jamie and Skylar and I all recognized from many things. He's he was in Gossip Girl and he was in Emily in Paris. Um, Great looking actor. He's one of the sales guys and he tries to sell Burger a shirt. Burger likes the way it looks until he sees the price, which is way out of his range. After he makes a pitch asking Burger to buy the shirt, he shot down again and he makes a different pitch to Carrie. He and his girlfriend just broke up. Does she know anyone that she could set him up with? Cheer up, sweetie. I may have found you the impossible dreamboat. Straight, single, and works for Prada. Mm. Is he Jewish? What? Did so you think cute. I was going to throw away all my new religious beliefs just because Harry and I are no longer together? Um, yeah. I'm not a fair-weather <laughs> Jew. Besides, I can't even think about dating again. I'm way too sad about losing Harry. Now, Charlotte, honey, you will start dating eventually, and by then, this Prada item may be off the rack. If she's not ready to move on, she's not ready to move on. People can't move on before they're ready. I'm just saying. I can't even imagine dating again. I mean, what would I say about myself? I was married, and then I got divorced. And then I fell in love with my divorce lawyer, and we were going to get married, but then I blew it, and we split up too. It's depressing. No, oh, now you went and told the truth. Hmm. Okay, what are we gonna do about it? I say we get all dressed up, we go out for drinks Friday night. I'll wear my new Prada. Oh, I'm in! 
the next one. Shit, motherfucker, fuck shit. There's a shit, motherfucker, fuck shit situation? I have to go to the theater. They finally made that mandatory? A new play in Brooklyn. Jerry's in it. So it's children's theater. Oh, I think that's sweet. It's not sweet. It's pathetic how far a gal will go for a good fuck. Gal, what do you think? Yeah, just just a real quick thing. I think it's so funny that they go for drinks and dinner all the time. And when she suggests going out for drinks, they squeal in delight. Like it's never been done. And I'm like, literally that is the premise of the show is like friends going out for drinks. That's so funny. That's a really good point. Yeah, they do it lose is, their they, mind They literally are like, yeah. she's like, I'll wear my new Prada. It's like, that's just what you do every week. Like, what are you talking about? It's funny that you say that because you're really bringing up something interesting that I think I actually still need to grow up from. Some people are different, but I do think a lot of people in New York, especially, well, I can definitely relate when I lived there. I spent, I lived in a dumpy apartment and I just spent all my money on clothes and eating out and drinking Mm -hmm. out and being out. And like, Mm -hmm. if you just looked at my bill, it was just like any financial advisor would be like, you're spending a million dollars eating and drinking. Like, stop that. And you can be in a nice apartment. Like, it's just it's so interesting watching the show. You're like, oh, yeah, this is just where all the money goes. That is. Yeah. The culture is just like spend, spend, spend. Also, in New York, I think, isn't inherently this isn't necessarily applying to like going out for drinks, but like New York is an inherently inconvenient city. So if you want your life to run smoothly, you have to spend a lot of money just to get your life to be on the level that other people's lives in different places are like, like even if it's like, okay, well, like the laundry in our building is like, you know, on a different floor and it's always, you know, there's always someone's clothing in there so I have to like wait for them so then you go okay I'm just gonna send my laundry out like I can't deal with that you know I don't have a a washing machine in unit you know yeah and then it becomes like everything you're just like fine I'll just pay a little more and then maybe like that will feel less stressful that particular thing will feel less stressful in my life and it all adds up yeah it's just interesting it's just yeah also side note superficial side note I didn't like when she came out in that Prada dress not to say that brown is an ugly color but I wasn't like wow it kind of just looked like a like a weird bag. Yes. Yeah, it, wasn't it wasn't what I was thinking. No, 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 no. And it's interesting, like the fashion they choose to really highlight on the show. Like in a later episode, um, there's the famous like Oscar de la Renta dress and it's like bubblegum pink and all this. I mean, it's like a real centerpiece and it's really it's like an incredible piece of fashion. But this was kind of just like, here's like a brown thing from Prada. And you're like, yeah. Oh, and okay. then the shirt that they're dying for Burger to wear, Burger. It's literally like a, a gap shirt. It looks like Night at the Roxbury. It's like, it looks it like a cheap so Night flammable. at the Roxbury. Yeah, it's a horrible fully, shirt. Fully, yeah. And it's just a button. It's so funny too, like the notion of like, we got to get you that Prada, you know, whatever, d- deep red shirt. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, he can't afford that. So like. Maybe buy the exact same thing at, at any North other store. Rock? Go to fucking J. Crew. It's right there. It's a couple doors down in God, Soho. I really have fashion on the brain. Yeah, mm. it's fun though. I mean, basically, I would say the scene is pretty smooth, not very dramatic. Charlotte is still in love with Harry. They want to set her up with. It's kind of funny. I would actually not be that excited if 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 you were like Rose. I met a guy. I really want you to he date works him. At Prada. He's a sales boy. At yeah, I'd be like Gucci. Oh. I'd be like, um, okay. 
Like, no. what is his passion, though? Like, what does he plan passion? on doing? Passion? Like, he just, like, waxes his eyebrows and is going to, like, criticize me for, like, gaining a pound or something? Like, exactly. No. I, it's, it's not. That's a really good point. Yeah, I wouldn't be psyched. I'd be like, yeah, I would just feel like they have, a like, too discerning of an eye if they work in fashion. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, like, maybe sexy and exciting if you yourself are, like, a fashion artist and you're like, Absolutely. I really want to be with another. But like, and you can connect over it. Totally. Yeah, totally. But it's not, like, as a typical woman it's not like every woman is like if only i could meet a guy who like worked at like you know yeah tiny- i mean they definitely did it for the joke it's like you'll get free prada like it, it is like a funny idea to be like yeah you should date the guy who works at prada you can get a discount you know but like okay i actually almost- dating the guy at prada like i don't know okay well this is a very tangential story but it kind of has to do with that i I got a massage. My very first massage was from this masseuse who then asked me out after the massage. Whoa. And I was like 19 and he was like 41 or something. Okay. But but I was like, the massage was amazing. So I was like, yes, let's hang out. And then we hung out and he was like a complete freak. This is in Santa Cruz. He had done so many drugs. He could like barely close his eyes. <laughs> and like, just like so much acid, so many mushrooms, so psychedelic. Like we went out to dinner and I remember he just ordered liquids because he like didn't eat food or something. What? And then we like I suffered through the whole day. I wasn't even attracted to him. He seemed like a weird like wizard from the forest. But I was like, I'm going to get him home just for another like full body massage. <laughs> but then I got him home and he just wanted to make out. And I was like, oh, I'm tired. Bye. You're like, that's not your special skill. Massages yeah. are. Exactly. So what I'm trying to say about the Prada thing is you can go through a whole rigmarole trying to get the thing and you're not even going to get it anyway. Yes. Great point. Thanks. And yeah, I feel like Prada guy. Who knows? Like he, he, you know, he may not be able to get you the discount you think that you could get. Yeah, it might be like 2%. Move on. Right. Right. Okay. I and mean, he might have a limit every month and all the things. So there's exactly. so many headaches with this guy. Yeah. That's too much. It's, uh, it's challenging. Okay. So later at home, Miranda waits for Steve and Brady to get back from the park. Steve snagged her a cupcake and Miranda is so happy about it. She invites him to stick around to watch the Knicks game. Plus, she catches a glimpse of his abs when he mentions how all the cupcakes are giving him a gut. They look pretty good to her. The game goes long, so Steve ends up crashing on the couch where Miranda longingly checks in on him in the night. Miranda's an unbelievable actress. And I I almost cried in this scene, like just watching her. Oh, it's heartbreaking. She's so good. It's kind of annoying that she hasn't gotten one of these like Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon, Big Little Lies type roles because i think she could do it i don't oh, she's know great. if she's acting as much right now though she pops up and stuff like she was in a few episodes of hannibal like she's mostly in kind of like small Drama. supporting stuff oh which, interesting which, I, I agree though i think that she's such a strong it actress. Has the chops. such a good point she totally has the chops plus she's like in the hbo family they should put her on another hbo show i mm-hmm. think she's great the only acting thing that she did that was a little weird in that scene i don't know if you guys remembered but i watched it today so it's very fresh in my head is when she leaves the room she like holds the wall until the last yes. second Yes, and, and like, that is so, that is like a very like deliberate acting choice. It, it feels like something that a comedian would make fun of yes. in an audition tape. Oh, 100%. Like, this is my impression of like someone longingly <laughs> yes. in the room. Yeah, it's, totally. It's a, it's a very sort of heavy handed scene. I did just want to say when they do the insert of Steve's abs, it's such a funny, like, clearly they, <laughs> they like found like some nice ab guy in New York to Steve? swing it. 
I don't think that. I mean, look, I oh, think Dave Eigenberg. Was his face not in the frame? No, it's happened? just it was it's just, oh, it's just abs. Just an insert of abs. Okay. It's really really funny. Steve okay. signed a clause where he was like, "I will not take my shirt off." Yeah, but wait, I don't know. I think Steve is jacked. No, and Steve also, has a sick bod. Steve does a lot of naked scenes. He he so might be jacked. his butt a lot. I mean, I could be wrong, but it really is like it's just the abs. It might have been. Like, yeah, I they might have had an ab guy on set. You know what, Skylar? I don't think that the insert was because it wasn't Steve. I think it's like, that's kind of the style of comedy of Michael Patrick King. I think yes. that he thinks that's very funny. It's very like, wah, wah, wee, wah. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's close oy, up. Oy, like, yeah. oy, oy, this yeah. is yeah, like, This is also an MPK written episode, so that totally makes it's sense. It's MPK. Yeah, Listen, yeah. Okay. this is a very We cracked Steve, it, it's MPK. This is Steve, this is like a super pro Steve group of people here. So... We're just going to no, go with it being Steve. And I mean, he's in a lot of sex scenes with Miranda and stuff, and he looks pretty body ripped. Looks great. I, I'm not yeah. skeptical that the man has a washboard. I just I just think it that it felt like they had stunt tabs. That yeah, day. yeah. 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 I think it's just an MPK style choice. Yeah. Okay. Also, Steve's ab. Steve is hot. Yeah, Steve's hot. He's a, he's I'm like very, defending yeah. Steve against no one who's <laughs> against him. We're all, <laughs> I'm like fighting I, for him, even though you guys are in complete yeah. agreement. So the next day, Carrie catches up with Burger for breakfast. She has a surprise. It's the expensive Prada shirt. Burger knows she can't afford it. So what's the deal? Well, her publishers managed to sell her book in France. So she just came into a bunch of money. Afterwards, Carrie catches up with Miranda and Brady. Miranda mentions Steve slept over on the couch. But still, Carrie doesn't think that's a great idea. But they switch subjects when they run into Courtney. Carrie's publisher played by oh Amy Sedaris yes of course apparently Courtney just got fired and Berger's second book option got dropped as well Carrie feels terrible for flaunting her check in front of Berger now that she knows that he was fired Charlotte meets up with Anthony in the park Anthony is the most underused person on this entire show I mean it's really criminal that we don't see him more he steals every Every two second scene that he's in it's incredible yeah, and they do some manhunting, which again was very anti-Semitic. He was like white, slimy, pasty, Jewish. I'm like, what is with them hating on these Jewish guys? Anthony drags guy after guy that passes by. and Charlotte says he just doesn't get what she's going through, but he does. Because he had his heart broken by someone as well. Paolo, a hot Brazilian with an ass you could bounce a quarter off of. <laughs> Samantha heads to Jerry's play. It doesn't seem like her scene until Jerry comes on stage and gets fully naked, Woo-hoo. like drops trow, shows it all to the entire audience. Back at her place, Samantha wants to have sex, but Jerry wants to know what she thought of his performance, especially because he quit his restaurant job for this play. That news kind of ruins Samantha's horny mood. But if Jerry is serious about this acting thing, Samantha figures she should help him out because she's a publicist. She starts pitching new names and planning a big PR push for Jerry. Back at Burgers later, he and Carrie read in bed. The whole check thing is still hanging over Carrie's head. So she decides to bring it up to Burger that she knows that his book got dropped. He doesn't want to talk about it. And he's even more embarrassed that Miranda knows as well. He tells Carrie that she earned her advance and she should be proud. Don't worry about him. He tries not to be competitive about it. And Carrie talks about it with Samantha later. He grunted. Uh, end of discussion. I shouldn't have said anything. Look, when men are failing. Burger is not failing. Fine, when men are flailing. Okay, yes, they're, 
there's a bit of a flail. They need strong women to charge in there and help, like I did with Smith Jarrett. Who? Jerry. I changed his name. Oh. I'm helping him with his career, and Smith is the perfect name for the next big thing. Wow. Mm. Smith Jared, the next it boy, is so it that the glitterati are migrating to Brooklyn to see him act. Are the glitterati migrating to Brooklyn? Yes, you are. I got tickets for us all opening night. Invite everyone fabulous you know and dress up. I got a whole red carpet thing happening. Why are you doing all this? Well, he's 28 and making 30 bucks a week. The poor guy was dying. I could help, so I did. And he isn't threatened by you offering to help? Oh, no, he's a whole different generation. Younger guys aren't threatened by strong women having power. Is it a whole generation or just him? Mm, good question. I was just thinking that. I think this... What do you think of that notion? Do you think that's true? Younger guys aren't threatened? I think it's an excellent women? question. I want to go there. But I want to bring something up first that I was thinking of when we were listening. Mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, I'm just so in awe of this show, honestly. Like, I just, as a TV lover and watcher and writer, I just think it's so amazing. And this episode, particularly for me, feels so real um, in terms of, you know, I think a lot of creative people date other creative people. And there are a lot of times in a relationship where someone's up and someone's down. Or there are relationships where somebody simply is more successful than the other. So I find this whole dynamic really relatable. But I think it's so, like, kind of crazy brilliant that Carrie's dealing with this incredibly real situation that happens to couples all the time and people that are dating, which is like, I'm up and you're down and we do the same thing. How, how do we feel good about this? And then meanwhile, Samantha is so effortlessly giving to somebody else who's so effortlessly taking it. And it's just one mm -hmm. of those great examples of like, it's so interesting when you're dating someone or in a couple and there's like a problem and then you see other people that are having the same issue and it's not a problem at all and actually yeah. it's like thriving it's such a smart way to be like there is no one way to do relationships you can be with somebody who's less successful than you and it can be great and people can be happy to help each other or you can be with one where it's like super tense like yes and yeah i'm really glad you brought that up because it is it's just so well written that hmm. they're both sort of in similar situations and one it's working and the other it's not. I just think it's a cool way to show it so that the it show is. doesn't say like, well, what we've learned from the show is that you can't no, really totally. date someone less successful. It's like depends on the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I also love how Samantha said it kind of definitively. Like she does make these sort of she has like philosophies where she's like she'll make big sweeping generalizations like the younger generation isn't threatened, you know. And I love that Carrie is like, I don't know if that's true or if that's just your situation. I definitely don't think it's a generational thing. I think it's extremely specific to the guy. I also think it's cultural. Too. Like, I think there's some cultures that are more machismo than others where like, I don't know, I grew up in L.A., so I grew up with a lot of Middle Eastern male friends, a lot of Jewish friends and Persian friends. And I think in some cultures, I think men have a lot harder time letting women help them. Mm. It's also a cultural stereotype, but. I think it's less about a generation, more about culture and then the individual. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Do younger guys seem more okay with being helped? I'm trying to think of like when. I can see I them mean, being I guess less. I, I, I haven't really been in a position where I'm like helping a boyfriend like that necessarily. Where I'm like really helping them with their 
like I like not in the way Samantha is where it's like she's literally like giving him a career yeah, because I she mean, works in PR. In some ways, I think that's normal in a close relationship. Like, for example, like if I had a really good skill, like, for example, if I was dating somebody who needed a press release, I would totally write them a press release. Oh, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or Definitely. if I was just dating somebody who didn't totally like, well, it kind of was a little bit like this with Lee, but like. There's a lot of artists who are insanely talented, but who have no idea how to schmooze and network and hustle. And like, I think there's a lot of girlfriends and boyfriends and spouses who help them. Like, I I think it's totally natural to to help your partner. Like, that's natural. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I think that. But I think if you're like getting their career off the ground, I could see that. I could see some people being like, thank you so much. This is awesome. This is a great dynamic. And other people definitely feeling emasculated by it. I think the fact that he's an actor, I think actors and models will literally take they any literally help they can like, get. Help me. But, totally, but because it's totally. so hard, it's like you, because that yeah. makes sense. You should take all the help you, sh- you can get. I think maybe yeah. if you're in a less competitive field, but like, I think this dynamic shows up a lot for women more and more. I think women are mm-hmm. outperforming their spouses and boyfriends like yep. all the time. And I, I know so many women. Like I think almost all of the women I know at this point. Right. And I think <laughs> truthfully, I think that it's just that like people show up in other ways. It's not like the dollar amount that you bring in is like how valuable you are as a partner. No, and absolutely not. Yeah. And no, people show up in other ways. Not. And and I think if you're confident in yourself, if you're the male partner, it shouldn't wreck you. And if you're confident as female partner, it shouldn't wreck you. And ultimately, like everyone goes up and down. Sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. And, you know, you know whatever. Yeah. And I think that's why it's frustrating with the burger of it all, because I think his attitude is horrible. It's horrible, but it also could be they could be such a power couple. Like, I understand it's it's tough because she really is succeeding at the thing he's not succeeding at. And I do think that's very hard to watch. Yes, it's probably I don't think that's an. Yeah, I think it's very painful. Um, But it is that thing where you're like, oh, if you had just a little bit of foresight, you know, you guys really could conquer whatever you know world you're trying to conquer it's also like i also think the idea of like making something making it completely on your own is also kind of naive it's like everyone who's successful has help all the time in every way so the idea of like no you don't have to help you don't have to like ask your editor it's like ask the editor you still have to write it and they'll only pick it up if it's good so i even think this idea of like no i just want to like come out of nowhere and nobody helps me is also like not real like publishing television, like people help each other all the time. Like, yeah. And also like the helping, I think it's, it's not like it's mutually exclusive. You can take help and also be fiercely independent in someone who does 98% of the work. It's not doing the work. It's opening the door. Yeah. And it's, yeah, exactly. And when you're freelance, you know, that's just the name of the game. I just think everything is through friends and connections. And like, it's sort so of true. a fantasy. And and it's also putting crazy pressure on yourself. Like, no, I'm not going to have is. I'm not going to have anyone help You're me so or introduce right. me. I'm just going to like throw things into the abyss and hope it comes totally. out. Totally. Like, no, I, 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 yeah, I have I have a friend who is like that, who really is like, I don't like they like the, the struggle and the journey of doing it on their own feels like part of the triumph. And I'm like, there, there's a part of me that's like, well, I think it's good in that you're learning how to really rely on yourself. And I definitely see myself in that a little bit. Like I've always kind of been that way where I'm like, I'm just going to do the work and like, see what happens. But yeah, to, to act as if there's not another piece to the puzzle and that like relationships don't matter that's that's unfortunately it's just not the way it works and I think 
when you see someone like Berger on screen, you're like, oh man, like, you know, he's really, writer. yeah. And he's just like trying to act like he doesn't need to do certain things because it's just about the craft. And unfortunately it is mostly about the craft and like, yes, you can have that pay off maybe like in the long run somehow, maybe, but you're going to be so tortured if you don't acknowledge that like your industry publishing is an industry and like there people is having coffee to and, and drinks. I mean, the totally. thing is, it goes without saying, of course, you have to be talented and, and work incredibly hard. But it's like, how many times have you met somebody who's like, oh, you're a friend of this? Great. And it just like yep. is like it's like social lubrication. Like, absolutely. It's just. um, Yeah. So it's it's also kind of his attitude is also just kind of to me, very amateur hour to think like, I don't need your help. I don't need anyone's help. Well, it's a defense mechanism. Yeah, because he's also think- down at the moment. He just he's That's the one who true. got dropped, whereas Carrie has not only not been dropped, she just sold rights internationally. Like, so she's as up as she can be and he's as down as he can be. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, true. it's not to defend it, but, no, but right. it's to explain the toxicity a little I bit. Just it's definitely like, toxic. We'll get there. But throughout the episode, he's so like in this really 1950s masculine way, like allergic to the idea that she could help him at all. Truly. In a mm-hmm. way that I think is very disingenuous to how the business works, for example. When people hire television writers, 90% of the time, they already know the person through friends or someone. Yes, sometimes it's a drop in the bucket and it's a total stranger, but oftentimes, no. A lot of people that get, you know, it's just like. No, it's true. I mean, I got my job because I I had auditioned for Bill Lawrence. That's That's like the main reason. Yeah. It's like like, like the talent and hard work is a no brainer. That goes without saying. If he wasn't talented, she wouldn't even be offering these things. She believes in him. It's just. I think his idea of this purity of of the industry is just like really, really childish. Yeah, it is childish. And also it's frustrating because I think, yeah, you can tell that he really resents Carrie's ability to play the game. Like she clearly, she's just that personality. She's an extrovert. She loves going out. She loves meeting new people. She's always making new friends. And you can just see that if this were a real relationship, like that is threatening to someone like Berger, I think. Yeah. I also think that this episode in particular really underlines the degree to which like he considers himself to be an artist and he and she I don't think that he thinks of her in the same way. He thinks she's a sellout or something. Not necessarily. I just think like the guy's a novelist, like he he creates fiction, like Harry documents her own life, like the the work process is a little bit different. But I also think that um, like they underline him as a particular type of like toxic literary guy too. Cause like the book he's reading throughout this episode is a David Foster Wallace collection of short right, stories, right, right. which is like such shorthand, like for yeah, the sort of like, exactly. Which, which um, it's not to excuse it. I think it's like good character shading, but yeah. it's just like a funny uh, sort of set of choices to, to color him. He is so specific. Like mm-hmm. I, I really he's like he's really, really he good. is such a nuanced character. We spend not that much time with him. I feel like I, I get know him, him way more than Aiden. Way mm-hmm. more yes. than Aiden. Yes. And big to a degree. But yes. Really Aiden. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, he feels real. He's just a real person. I mean, I'm just harping on this point, And I think we have a lot of listeners who I know are actors and writers or aspiring to. And so. Like I even had an interview for something recently and they were like, yeah, I just I just don't want to have another just group of like white male comedy guys, meaning to me, we would be possibly interested in hiring you as I mean, obviously I'm straight and white, but like as diversity in terms of just getting a woman in the room. And it's like, I'm not offended by that at all. I'm like, I will use whatever it takes in any situation. And then 
And then you show them that you're talented. And then I don't know. I, I'm just very bristling on this point of him being like, I don't know. I, I keep talking about it. I just. Um, no, I get it. It's like, I, I, I get it. it. It's a bit juvenile. Yeah. And it's also just not the reality of the way things work. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm but not- again, I think that's why it's a def- it's a defense mechanism. I don't think it's ha- I don't think he thinks that's how it works. I think he is I get the sense that he's a bit antisocial and he's very in his head and this is his way of justifying that he is doing it correctly you're right it's like you you have hang-ups that have absolutely nothing to do with like your art or your girlfriend or anything you're literally just not working through insecurities that you have about yourself and that are keeping you from get putting yourself out there, which I relate to. I really struggle to put myself out there sometimes. It comes, in fact, like just even at like Whitney's thing that I went to, which is not a work function. It's just just hanging out. But it's in your industry. There's people. But it's hard for me. Like there are definitely people at Whitney's who are like, you know, making content and like, you know, and are awesome at it. And they're talking about making social content. Yes. Right. And I sat there and I watched them and I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to do that. Like, I should do that. I should do that more. I should learn from them. But then there's that part of me that's like, no, I don't need to do that. I'm a this. I don't need to be defined. But you actually by don't my... need to do that, I don't think. It's, if I you mean, want to. It, it almost doesn't even matter. Right. It's just it's that pattern of yes. thinking. Yes. Of convincing myself confirmation bias. This is why I don't need to do that. Right. And it's a, it's a version of what burger does. You're right. I, think. I hear that. I see what you're saying. I think your, your an- analysis of burger is just so spot on. And actually the more we talk about it, the more deep it gets, because it is kind of more like there's working writers. And then there's like miserable writers who are like, if it's not exactly how I want it. And if I ever get rejected, I'm going to be like miserable, which like, that's not, that's not how success even yeah. works. Like, like right. being well, that pure like he can't, is terrible. He can't, it's well, also like failure is such a, it's, you know, everyone experiences it in all different degrees and at different times in their life. And like Berger seems like someone who like he is he is sabotaging himself. Like, I think Berger would be more successful if Berger believed he could be successful. Berger, I think, does not feel entitled to success. Yes, I think you're completely right. And I think that he's such a great character because there are so many writers like this who are probably like Berger's probably super talented. I mean, it, we, we kind of, it's kind of insinuated that he is like, because He's a beautiful writer. Remember that? How I fucking hated that. Yeah. But it's like, there's You're all these people beautiful who, writer. yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like succeeding is, yeah, you have to, you have to be able to handle the blows because it's part of it. You have to truly believe. I think there is a level of feeling bulletproof. And even though you get knocked down and you cry about it and all the things, I, I ha- at least in my own experience, it, it takes less. There's a shorter mourning period. That's awesome. I love that. I'm also curious to know kind of what kind of writer he is, because like he has one novel out. This is his second novel that is that has been dropped. But like there are a lot of novelists was the first a big hit. Like it's like there are just these things that like would like squeaking by. Honestly, Yeah, there are things See, that would be like illuminating to to know what type of writer he is I mean, a little if he's bit. he's respected, if people know him, if exactly, he's like, with, like Jonathan Lethem or something. Yeah, like yeah. if he like wrote, like like if his first novel was like some big hit, now his second one is like a big flop. Like or these little like, specifics. Been, it had to have been, I, I'm assuming it would have to be good enough for him to get a second That's a good, yeah, option. Totally. If he's with the same publisher, which it seems like he is. That's true. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, it's just interesting to kind of, 
to to unpack those dynamics because understanding those dynamics of his career and trajectory would help underline or at least illuminate for us what his toxicity is coming from a little bit. I think it's more just his core sense of not being yeah. worthy, period. Totally. And I also think like he, you know, with that first book, he's like, it's a big fucking failure. I actually don't think his big, his first book was a big fucking failure. Because he got a I second his option. First book, yeah. He did okay. I think he did well enough for them to give him a second chance. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it sucks that it got dropped, but like, I, I just think he is, he is, uh, whatever the opposite of like manifesting is, that's what he does. He mm-hmm. literally like co-creates the worst universe. Wow. That's such a good way to put it. But you know what? He's, it's like that stereotypical personality of a novelist. It's somebody who spends all day alone in their head, overthinks everything is extremely bright, has this like, you know, really overactive mind that can easily turn on itself. Like, mm-hmm. yes. You know? And I think that Carrie is a triggering partner for him because she does not have the same hangups he has. No, totally. she's not. In fact, she yeah. doesn't really have that many hangups. No. That's a good point. Like, she kind of doesn't. Like, she definitely has a neurotic, thinky, you know, she's just, she's introspective in certain ways, but, but she really kind of, she's kind of okay. Which actually. I like, actually. She seems, yeah. A- Especially like as a writer, she seems very unselfconscious as a writer, totally. which is an interesting. Which I'm jealous of because choice. you know what? Because she doesn't consider herself like an artist with a with an no, axe on the eye. She's just having a good time. I think that people that really want to make quote unquote important great work are a lot less happy because they're so yeah. hard on themselves. That is such a good point. Totally, man. That's a great point. Ooh, love that. Um, okay, well, Miranda heads to Steve's, who is in the middle of making cupcakes. He is flailing too. So she steps in to help. Unfortunately, the cupcakes are not for the other parents at the playground. This time they are for Debbie, Steve's girlfriend. This is a gut punch for Miranda, but she still helps until Steve has to run to work. Miranda says she will finish the cupcakes without him frosting the cupcakes, but she ends up calling Carrie and having a bit of a breakdown. She can't go to Jerry's play after all. That scene where she's like crying, making them. I was just, my heart was just in my, just aching. Harry, however, still has to go to Brooklyn and see this terrible play. Unfortunately, Berger decided to break out his motorcycle to get them there. Carrie doesn't want to ride it at first because there's going to be a red carpet and photographers and she doesn't want to ruin her hair. But she agrees because she's trying to help her boyfriend get back on his feet. Also, she's wearing the most amazing purse that's just like has this long hair on it. That's just incredible. Yeah. When they, it's, it's, it's a little creepy. I loved it. It was like Cousin strange, It the Purse. Creepy. Yeah. No, it is. Oh, my God. It is fully Cousin It the Purse. Yes. When they get to the play, however, they have a giant argument. Burger drove way too fast, and it totally freaked Carrie out. Couldn't you feel my hands digging into you? Yeah, I th- thought you were excited. I was terrified. All right. Well, calm down. You're safe. Look. I am not going to die on a bridge so that you can feel like some big man on a bike. What the fuck does that mean? You know exactly what it means. Mm. And I'm sorry, but I am not sorry I made that money. I worked really hard for it. And I never thought that you would be the type of guy that would have a problem with that. Well, neither did I, but I guess I do, don't I? Sorry about the bike. Are you going to look at me? (sighs) 
I didn't think I was going that fast. I'm sorry. I I'll never do it again. Yeah, well, I'll never get on that bike again. Look, I don't want to be this guy. I don't want to be the guy that's threatened by your success. I swear to God, I will do anything. I'll do whatever it takes. I don't want to be this guy. I think you are magnificent. I do. You know what? It's such a... This is such a masterful scene, such a masterful character, because there's so many things about Burger that could cliche and tropey like oh he's a tormented novelist he's riding a motorcycle all this stuff but it i don't know if it's that actor who's so great or if it was directing or the writing but like it feels specific and individual and when she's like i'm not gonna die on a bridge so that like you know you whatever it's just him needing to like ride really fast on a motorcycle i just i've been there with guys where it's like maybe not a motorcycle yeah. and a bridge but i've been there where it's somebody's like drinking a lot or like Yes. flirting with another girl or just doing yep. something just because they're so angry or driving like an asshole in a car yeah, yeah there's just i've so been there it just feels so real yeah of course yeah no i know what you mean yeah it, it, you almost when you say like burger the tortured novelist it's like he's so much more than that mm -hmm. I, I actually think you could kind of give him any occupation and i think it's more about the nuances of like what sets him off mm -hmm. and why this relationship doesn't work. Like, yeah, he, um, he's temperamental. Yeah. And I also thought it was like kind of incredible how they wrote him to when she said, uh, I didn't think like, you'd be the kind of guy that, yeah. And then he goes, neither did I. It's like, Oh, he, he's not even saying that's not true. No, like I he's know. not even trying to be like, that's not it. You don't know. Like they could have gone that way with his toxicity. Like he could have been like gaslighting her and the audience would have been like, okay, we all know what's really bothering him. But I love that they wrote it, that he's like, I don't want to be jealous. Like this feels bad. I That's don't really want to be point. this guy. And you're like, it was, it makes you love him yeah, totally. because you're like, oh man, that's, we know that feeling. And like that, you know, the fact that he actually, the fact that he could admit it was the right kind of masculinity. Yes, I the agree. The kind of masculinity you would want people to you know it's like yeah at least he can talk about it like for the first time I mean it's not like he's been super open or anything yeah I think it's, it's, a, it's a hard position to be in I mean it's a hard position to be in for the timing of your you having this disappointment right when your girlfriend is just soaring I mean also the fact that he didn't even tell her just goes yeah. to show how fragile his ego is and how little he believes in himself because that's important couple news like your life and what happens in your life is important to your partner to know. And the fact that he didn't even the fact that he didn't even want Carrie to know that his book was dropped. is like it's almost a little concerning that, like, it's so important to him that she thinks he's successful as opposed right. to her knowing who he is. You know, such a good point. Yep. Totally. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, you just really you really feel for him. But also, yeah, I, I don't I don't know that even if he wasn't even if they weren't both in the same field, I don't know that Berger could handle any kind of success that she had. Yeah, I think you're um, absolutely right. I don't think he knows that about himself, but I think that that is the feeling I get that, like, it makes it way worse because they're both trying to be writers. Um, and yeah, but I, I, I think that he would be put off no matter what. 
I think you're absolutely right. And I think you're saying something that is really resonating. I had an ex in my 20s who was an unhappy person and didn't like doing what he was doing. And at the time, I was really enjoying what I was doing. And he was sort of mean spirited about it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of like Berger's not a happy person, period. No, he's not at all. Doesn't like himself. He seems like he's like unmedicated, depressive or something. Yes. He oh, my God, he needs meds. Yeah. His so- self-esteem <laughs> just seems really bad. And I think you're yeah. completely right. I also think I, I like to do this thing in my head when there's like fight scenes about like what would the conscious thoughtful healthy relationship version of these scenes be of course i would never want to see them on tv because it would be bad television this is much better but i i wonder if this really happened to me or someone like what the better version of this is and i almost feel like if i was burger and and this was happening to me i almost wonder if you could just say to your partner i'm in, in a really fragile ego place i'm so happy for you and i truly love what just happened i'm gonna be a bit of a freak for about a week Please don't take any of it personally, but I'm kind of just going to be like a Grinch and then I'll get over it. Like, I I just don't know, like, how you're supposed to get through this type of. Yeah, I mean, I also wonder if there are things that Carrie could do to. I mean, she didn't know. So I'm not telling her it's kind of shitty, though. Yeah, it is shitty. And. uh, Yeah, I mean, also, though, when we see her comfort him in the earlier fight where she calls him a beautiful writer. That is, I still can't Condescending. Get over that. I think it's so disgusting that I, yeah, I wouldn't want to tell her either. I think that she- Is trying to help oh, too much like a mama. Do you think- Yeah. Are you saying, Jamie, with that, that you think that Berger was put off by that too? That comment? Possibly. Okay, interesting. I don't think so in the writing, but yeah. if this were real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you- think, I, think, I think if he were a real person on some level, he'd be like, beautiful writer yeah because it sounds like a trivialization yeah yeah it's like well the way she said it in her acting it felt condescending like a mom to a kid you're a beautiful writer yeah it also followed like truly holds his face yeah and it followed truly like a night of that so it's like at a certain point it's like yes like it it stops being compliments and it becomes like a defensive let's fix things thing in carrie's defense in carrie's defense as somebody who's been with a lot of burgers it's so uncomfortable to be with like a silent, seething guy who's like, no, it's fine. I'm fine. Don't worry. It's of fine. And it's like, that's really also impossible. No, no, don't, 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 don't touch me. Don't oh, talk yeah. to me. Like, like, well, I, I think that's that is definitely like the bigger point to be made. A hundred percent. I just feel like there probably is a way to just be like, let's talk about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's talk about it instead of being like. Yeah, compliment, compliment. Yes, that's a good point. I see what you're saying, Jamie. Instead of Let's just talk about it. Yeah. I've had those moments. Yes. You want Carrie to be like, I've had I I've had those moments. It's the worst. And you're but you're gonna be on the other side of it soon. And I know that because you're a fucking genius and your book's awesome. Yeah, and like, she could be like, Yeah, just, I've been working at yeah. this for twenty years. You know, it's like Yes. I think also what you're saying is like totally like dead on, but I also think that's like far into a relationship stuff. Like I think they're still learning mm-hmm. each other's sort of fight styles a little bit at this point. Which is not to excuse it, but it's just like maybe to explain why it's these blow ups. You guys, can you imagine if like there was a pill that literally just made people say how they felt clearly and calmly mm-hmm. without attacking? And I mean, we all had to take it. Yeah, we all had to just <laughs> Every say. Every person had to take yeah, it. Yeah, hey, Carrie, this actually has nothing to do with you. My dad said I wasn't a good writer when I was five. And so I'm actually just feeling really abandoned right now. But, um, right. You right, know, just right. like, can you imagine if people literally just said how they felt? 
Yeah, it's a little like like I read one. I mean, this was pre-internet comment a little bit, but like it's like I read one really incisive comment about Hurricane Pandora, and I can't get it out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, after they make up, Burger has a big reveal. He takes off his jacket and shows that he has Carrie's Prada shirt underneath. They head into the play, but it quickly becomes another headache. The red carpet photographers do not know who Berger is, and they basically shoo him away from Carrie so they can take pictures of just Carrie. It's another tough beat for the guy, so he decides not to stick around. I mean, bravo, writer's room, for having them just, like, go through this hard thing. They get through it. He's ready, and then boom, good writing. Yep. Punch him again. That's how it's done. After Berger leaves, Carrie finds Stanford. He's stuck with a bad seat, so Carrie invites him to sit with her. Inside, Carrie also introduces Charlotte to Tony, the new single Prada guy, and they hit it off. When the lights go down, Jerry comes on stage and drops his overalls yet again. I also have to say that the dialogue that he gives, he's like, the rain was God. hard. The rain was oh soft. God. It was such a joke. But then also somehow we're supposed to think he's a good actor at the end. I had some problems with it's, that. It, it is goofy, <laughs> but also you're kind of like. There's something about it, though, where it makes me think of you. It was such a lazy. It was like the laziest (laughs) writing for like bad. Not even bad play. It's like a joke because because he's supposed to be good. That's why I had a problem with it. It it almost is like even. Yeah, it's almost like they don't need the play to be bad. They need the play to just be in Brooklyn. That's fine. Just be in Brooklyn and Mm -hmm. be small. Yeah, I thought that that, I, I was fine if the dialogue was terrible, but then to have it be a revelation that he's like good and an actor, I was like, well, then give him like lines that make sense then. Yeah, like why don't we give him a monologue that's like fucking awesome? That's what I'm saying. The rain, and then like he gets naked. He's like, like, wait, what? The rain is hard. The rain is soft. I'm thinking of the wet grass. When the lights go down, Jerry comes on stage and drops his overalls yet again. Only now, Samantha actually hears his monologue, which is pretty freaking good. So good, in fact, that the episode closes with the whole crowd giving him a standing ovation. And this brings us to the question of the episode. As women's roles evolve and change, we assume that men's do as well. There are hundreds upon hundreds of articles written about the new man. But does this new man really exist? Perhaps he's just the old man, renamed and repackaged by some clever PR woman. Are the men of today less threatened by a woman's power or... Are they just acting? Mm. God, that's a good question. I feel like they must be less threatened than previous generations simply because literally more women graduate from schools. Women. I mean, it's just there's just more more normalized. Yeah, I definitely think so. As far as it's not that thing of like graduate college and like bake pies while your husband goes to the office and like fucks his secretary. Mm -hmm. Like things have changed. Yeah, I think so. And then as far as like getting help and stuff. And if that's emasculating, I think it's just like, if you're in a secure relationship, people just go back and forth between taking care of each other. And like, sometimes yeah. you're up and sometimes they're down. And and then Emily Gordon gave me really great advice where she said, well, like when two people are in a, a like both in creative pursuits in a relationship, it, you have to take turns being the baby. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. She's like, it depends on who's, who's the baby. Like you have to take turns being the mommy and the baby. And I thought that was just any relationship though. Right. It's so true. I think about it all the time. Like who's going to be, because it's true. Also, Who gets to be the star right now and who gets to be the support? No. Yes, exactly. Back and forth. Yeah, totally. Okay. So our final segment I'm horny for sex in the city is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for Rose. What are you horny for right now? 
It's actually a horny thing. I got a new vibrator, oh. believe it or not. Great. I know. A friend was bragging about hers. And oh, shit. I was like, let me try it. So I bought it. It's very affordable. It's called, it's from a brand called Maud, M-A-U-D-E. And it was only $45. And it's like really cool looking and comes in great designy packaging. You could literally put it on your table and nobody would know it's a vibrator. It looks like a piece of art. (laughs) And it was like on the New York Mag strategist list of gifts. They always pick like the best stuff. So if somebody's looking for either a gift for their partner or themselves, it's a really affordable, beautifully designed, nice vibrator. Cool. Jamie, what were you horny for this week? I am horny for another podcast um, that I started listening to. It's called Dead Eyes, and it's hosted by Connor Ratliff, who is a UCB uh, hilarious improviser, and he's also an actor. Um, he he basically, I'll tell you the premise. It's pretty genius. He, uh, oh, Ron Livingston was also in Band of Brothers. I just realized that. The guy who plays Burger. Anyways, um, he auditioned for Band of Brothers, like, years and years and years ago and he got the part and then Tom Hanks who I guess was a producer on it I don't know if he was in it or not but he basically was like I think that guy has dead eyes oh my god that's and so funny. made Connor re-audition for him for just uh, Tom and then he got fired because Tom like was like yeah you have dead eyes oh my god what a horrible comment so the so the podcast is him like reconciling with this notion Try almost in an investigation into himself, like trying to understand if it's true, does it matter? You know, successes and failures in Hollywood, successes and failures in other areas of life. And he has really amazing guests come on. Um, AB Mann is his guest in the first episode, and then he has Ryan Johnson who wrote Looper and a bunch of other things. And yeah, it's just like it's just a really interesting sort of like genre bending part investigation part self-help, part career advice kind of podcast. And yeah, it's very well. Oh, I can't wait to well. listen to it. Yeah. So check out Dead Eyes. It's fucking great. Fabulous. Okay. Um. Okay. Well, that is our show. And thank you guys for listening. We love you. Ta-ta. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production, executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.